0: It's all good. Okay. Guys, we're going to talk about Tubashvat. What does anybody know about Tubashvat? Please share with me what you know. Great. The what of trees and fruit. Very good. According to the Mishnah, it's the Rosh Hashanah of Elan. Of it's, the, it's the Rosh Hashanah, the new year of trees. So what does that mean? What does that mean? There's a new year of trees. So actually, according to the Talmud, there are four new years. In fact, I think there are even more. There are multiple new years throughout the year. Did you guys know that? We all are familiar with Rosh Hashanah, right? Which is the new year. But there's actually multiple New Years. There's a New Year for years. There's a New Year for months. You know that our New Year for months is different than our New Year for years. The month of Nisan is the first month of the year. Even though it's not the beginning of the year. So we actually have two different cycles. There's also a New Year for wheat. There's a New Year for animals. There's a New Year for kings and there's a new year for trees. And no, this is a special one. And we wanna understand why. We have to understand why. So I'll share with you a few insights into Tu Then I will share with you some Kabbalistic meaning behind some fruits. And there's a tr- tradition that goes back hundreds of years to have a Tu B'Shvat Seder which means to, uh, some people drink four cups of wine and eat, uh, according to Kabbalah, you're supposed to eat 30 different types of fruit. And the fruits fall into two into three different types of car- uh, categories of fruit. And I'll, we'll talk about that towards the end. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about the Torah portion, which is Parsha's B'Shalach. But this Shabbos has a special name. There are only certain Shabbats in the year that have a special name, and this is one of them. Does anyone know what this Shabbos is called? It's called Shabbos Shira. Does anyone know what that means? Excellent. It's the Shabbat of Psalm. Why? Because in this week's Torah portion, the Jewish people left Egypt. And they left in a very special way. Does anyone know what the climax of the leaving of Egypt was? How'd they get out? Exactly. The Red Sea splitting and the Torah in the Torah, the, the Jews sang a song as they were going through the sea. And that song is read on Shabbos in the Torah. And so this Shabbos is called the Shabbos of Song. So we're going to understand a little bit deeper meaning about what it is to sing, what song is all about. And we'll hopefully tie all the different ideas together. A couple of other small ideas from the Torah portion that we'll throw in. This week's Parsha is famous uh, that it ta- that it deals with the, man, the manna, the manna that fell from heaven, magical, spiritual bread that was completely like uh, superfood. Becca, It had all of the nutrients that, that you needed. It tasted like any flavor that you wanted. And it was completely absorbed by the body. There was no waste. So, and it, it came down every day, every morning with the dew. And the Jewish people would go out and gather it. So we'll talk a little bit about the man. And um, what else happens in the Parsha that's unique? I think, I think that's enough for today. There's a couple of other ideas, but if there's time we'll we'll touch on them but it uh, might not be time so okay so we're gonna begin by pointing out that there are two actual sister holidays two little-known Jewish holidays that are on opposite sides of the calendar one of them is Tu B'Shvat today and the other is a lesser known holiday called which was actually more important in the Talmudic times called tuba av has anyone ever heard of tuba av so two is means is the is the is the numerical value of 15. So today is the 15th of Shvat, And on the other side of the calendar in the middle of the summer is Tuba'av, the 15th of the month of Av. Dina, what do you know about Tuba'av? Does anyone know anything about Tuba'av? No, that's tishba Good. That's nine, the ninth of Av. The 15th of Av is a celebration. What? Wow, very good. It's a soulmate holiday. It's According to the Talmud, on Tuba'av, the um, Jewish girls would go out and dress all in white and and, uh, go out into the fields dancing, and the boys would go out, and somehow they would make their matches that way. Um, Doesn't sound 100% kosher the way we do things nowadays, but uh, there was something spiritual going on there. So the Talmud says there was no more beautiful day in the Jewish calendar than Tuba'av and Yom Kippur. That's what the Talmud says. So what is this interesting holiday of Tuba'av, which has to do with soulmates, and how? what's the connection with Tuba Shvat, which is exactly six months later in the calendar? So we were just talking a few minutes ago about Rosh Hashanah. When, what does Rosh Hashanah celebrate? I know Ronnie knows, because Ronnie came to all this Rosh Hashanah classes. What are we celebrating, really, on Rosh Hashanah? and anyone else can answer also if Ronnie's not fast enough to unmute himself Ronnie Bingo Rosh Hashanah is the birthday of the world it's not exactly Rosh Hashanah F- 5 days before Rosh Hashanah according to the the are the Talmud was the creation of the world and Five days later, on Rosh Hashanah, was the creation of who? I mean, six days later, was the creation of who? Adam and Eve on the, on on Rosh Hashanah. So on the twenty-fifth of Elul, which is the month before Tishrei, on the twenty-fifth of Elul, the world was created. Six days later, Rosh Hashanah was Adam, creation of Adam, birthday of the world. Okay. So the reality is is that it's not so simple that Rosh Hashanah is the creation of Adam because we're Jewish. And therefore, one Jew, three opinions. So two Jews, six opinions. So according to the Talmud, there's actually two different opinions of when the world was created. Now, it's a kind of funny question. What do you mean when was the world created? Before creation, there was no time. The beginning of Big Bang is the beginning of space, time, and matter. So how could we say that the world was created in a certain month? I mean, I guess that makes sense that it started at a certain time, right? Time began at a certain time frame. But we're really talking about as an energy. What energy, with what energy was the universe created? So according to one opinion in the Talmud, the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer, the world was created in Tishrei, which really means Elul and Five, six days later, Adam was created on Rosh Hashanah that we know, the Rosh Hashanah that we celebrate. But this other opinion in the Talmud, Rabbi Yoshua says, the world was created in Nisan. Six months later, in the springtime, that's the month that we celebrate Passover. So there are two conflicting opinions. Was the world created on the 25th of Elul or was the world created on the 25th of Adar? And was Adam created on Rosh Hashanah the first day of the month of Tishrei in the fall? Or was Adam created on the Rosh -Rosh Chodesh Nisan the first day of the month of Nisan in the spring? Two different opinions in the Talmud. And now, check this out. So Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Eliezer don't only argue about when Adam was created. They also argue about when Mashiach is going to come, the Messiah. When will the Messianic era begin? When will the world reach its final perfection? And guess what each of them hold. When does Rabbi Eliezer say that Mashiach will come? No, he's consistent. Good guess. Tishrei, like he said originally. Rosh Hashanah, the world was created, and on Rosh Hashanah the world will receive its final perfection. And Rabbi Yeshua says. No, in Nissan the world was created, and in Nissan the world will receive its final perfection. So we have a split personality going on here. Which is it? Which is it? So the Talmudic commentaries conclude they're both true. And that's the most Jewish answer. Both could be arguing. You could both see the world completely differently. And you know what? You're both right. And that's what the Talmud concludes in the greatest debates in in the Talmud between the school of Beishameh and Beishil, who saw the world completely differently. One from the side of chesed, one from the side of kindness, the other from the side of strength. And the Talmud concludes that the heavenly voice proclaimed both these and these are the words of the living God. That means there are two legitimate ways of seeing reality. They're both right. So says concludes the Talmudic commentaries. They're both correct. One is talking about thought and the other is talking about action. In the world of thought, in the world of thought, the world was created in Tishrei. In the world of action, when it actually happened, was in Nisan. What does that mean? We have to understand what that means. Not only that, there's something else we have to understand the torah begins something very interesting i don't have the beginning of the torah um, the torah says Bracious bara elohim in the beginning god created and the word that we use for god is the word elohim which means judgment powers forces the forces of nature it's the God that's concealed. It's the God of Din, Dina, the God of judgment, the God of strength. Later on in the Torah, suddenly, with the second account of creation, a few pages later, it talks about creation again in more detail now, talking about the creation of Adam. Suddenly, it says Hashem, yud hei vav Vavhei, which is the name of compassion. So, says Rashi, in the beginning, God wanted to create the world. With the, power, with the power of judgment, which is in Kabbalah, the left side, the feminine side, the strength. And then he saw that the world couldn't exist on judgment alone, so he brought into it kindness. So from the, on the first line of the Torah, we see that there's two different energies going on and two different acts of creation. There's the act of creation that God originally wanted to do. Which is strange because God changed his mind. What does that mean? So the answer is there's two realities. There's the reality of what's called judgment, strength, gavura. And there's the reality of kindness. There's merit to this world called strength. We have to understand what it is and why, in the end, God didn't create the world using strength. God created the world using a balance between strength and kindness with an emphasis more on kindness. So in the world of strength, you get what you deserve. You have to earn it. Right? We talked about the cabal of politics. So, the world of strength is the world of Republicans. If you don't earn it, you don't get it. No free handouts, no welfare, no free uh, immigration, no free nothing. You don't get a free lunch in this world. You got to earn what you get. In the world of kindness, we give free handouts. In the world of kindness, everyone is equal. Everyone gets. You don't have to deserve it. So there's two different energies in the world according to Kabbalah. So we can put these ideas together that that first energy was the thought of God. It didn't actually come into reality. The reality in the world is the world of ca- kindness, but we go through two different calendars, cycles. We have a calendar that starts in Tishrei, we have a calendar that starts in Nisan. The months of the year start at Nisan. The year starts counting in Tishrei. Tishrei is Rosh Hashanah, which is a time of judgment. It's Yom Hadin. It's the day of judgment. It's the days of awe. It's the days of fear. It's the days of teshuva and repentance. We have to perfect ourselves. We have to apologize for the things we did wrong. We have to earn it. And then comes Nisan, which is Passover time. And that's the time of love. You don't have to deserve it. The Talmud says the Jews didn't deserve to go out of Egypt. The Jews were idolaters. Everyone gets out for free on Passover. The word Passover means to jump over. And literally, according to Kabbalah, on Passover, God picked us up to the highest level of spirituality even though we didn't deserve it. It's the exact opposite. On Tishrei, we start praying for rain. The idea of rain is according to really according to Judaism is strength. Even though water is kindness, water represents kindness, but rain falls according to your deeds, according to your merit. We pray for rain. You have to be worthy of rain. We need rain. We can't live without rain. On on Passover time, we pray for dew. And the Talmud says that dew represents kindness. It's everywhere. You don't have to do anything to deserve it. You don't need a bucket to catch it. It's just everywhere. It just flows freely and keeps things moist. That's the idea of kindness. That's one of the reasons why I named my daughter Talia, which we don't call her that anymore, but whatever, um, because that represents kindness. Tal, The Tal means do of God. So another point to point out is that the word Tishrei in, numer- in values, in letters, is actually the Aleph base backwards. Tuf Shin, Resh is the last three letters of the alphabet backwards. And letters backwards in Kabbalah represents judgment. Nisan actually is the only month that's mentioned in the Torah by name. It's called Chodesh Ha'aviv, which is the month of springtime. And the Aviv is Aleph base, which is the letters in the right order. Okay, so these are two different things that are going on, two different energies. One last point is there's a debate between Rebbe Eliezer and Rebbe Yeshua. One last one about how Mashiach is going to come. Says Rebbe Eliezer, Mashiach is going to come if we deserve it. We have to repent. The generation has to change themselves. We have to completely turn ourselves around. The whole world has to change in order to merit the final redemption when the whole world will come together as one in world peace. That's Rebbe Eliezer in the month of Tishrei, who lives in the world of judgment. You have to earn it. Rabbi Yoshua says, no, even if we have a king who oppresses us and we just cry out a little bit, that's enough for the redemption to come. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to want it. You just have to want change. You have to want a better world. Guys, enough already of the coronavirus. We're done. Let's Let's get the world back together. We need it. Everyone needs it. We need to be united. We need to get out of our boxes, out of our bubbles, out of the suffering that so many people are going through. That's all it takes, It's just to want a different world. We all have to want it, though. So, we have two different energies, two different worlds, two different years, two different worldviews. Okay, now, check this out. According to the Talmud, a child, a fetus, is formed actually is called a baby at, after 40 days from conception 40 days from conception a fetus now has is called a zygote all right it has the name of a baby before that it's just cells and i think that scientifically after 40 days it begins to take form you can already see distinct organs so when it comes to the idea of abortion in judaism so Before 40 days, there's much more leniency. Again, it doesn't mean that it's allowed all the time, but it's not considered a fully formed being until 40 days. And I actually Googled it recently. It turns out that in Islam and Aristotle and all sorts of different um, religions that have this concept of 40 days after conception. Very interesting. So the Talmud says that 40 days before what's called Yitzir Savlad, before the baby is formed, which really means conception. It's just, they don't want to say the day of conception. It's not so nice to talk about the day of conception, right? Don't want to, people to imagine. But the Talmud says, on the day of conception, a heavenly voice proclaims Bas Plony the Ben Plony. A heavenly voice on the day that you are conceived cries out who your soulmate's going to be. Not only that, it says that on the day of conception, it's decreed in heaven, whether you'll be rich or poor, strong or weak, tall or short, smart or stupid. Your genetics is determined on the day of conception. But not only your genetics, also your soulmate. The Talmud does point out one thing, which is very important. You, you maybe you didn't find the soulmate, or maybe you didn't merit the soulmate, but you have a soulmate because the soulmate is the other half of your soul. So says the Talmud. You're, God forbid, Julia, you're gonna find him. Bad attitude. You gotta think positive. So 40 days before, yes. therapy well if he's smart if he's smart he's going to marry someone who's in therapy because we all need therapy and i'm a therapist so i could say that yes Wow. Never never heard of it. Doesn't mean it's not true. I haven't heard a lot of stuff. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So So uh so check this out. Okay? One thing, this is very important just for me to point out. The Talmud says there's one thing they don't decree on the day that you're born, on the day that you're conceived. What's the one thing that's not decreed in heaven? On the day that you're born, that you're you're conceived. Yeah? Take a guess. No, that's that's also decreed. Julia, say it. Which choices? Ah, the choice to do the right thing, says the Talmud, Sadiq Varusha Lo namar. It doesn't say whether or not you'll be righteous or wicked. That's totally your choice. Strong or weak, rich or poor, smart or stupid, we don't have that much control over our, our, our genes or on the amount of money that we're going to make. We really don't, according to Judaism. We have to try our best. doesn't mean we're going to make a lot of money. But we have 100% control over our choices, our moral choices. That's completely in our hands. Now, 40 days. Before conception, it's decreed who you're going to marry, what kind of person you're going to be. So 40 days before the creation of the world, Elul. If the world is created in Tishrei, according to Rabbi Dezer, which is really the 25th of Elul, minus 40, what do you get? The whole month of Elul, that's 25 days. Minus 15 days in Av brings us to? The 15th of Av, Tuba Tuba'av, Tuba of, the holiday where we celebrate soulmates, is really celebrating the conception of the world. The world which is born on the 25th of Elul was conceived 40 days earlier. What that really means is that in God's mind, he was already beginning the process of announcing the soulmates of the world. No, that's not this one. That's that's the other one, Tuba'av, six months later. But now let's go to this one. According to Rebbe Yoshua, worldview of kindness, that the world was created in Nisan, which really means the 25th of Adar. 25, take us back 40 days, brings us to the month of Adar. 25 days in the month of Adar, 15 days in the month of Shvat. Brings us to the 15th of Shvat, Tubashvat. So Tubashvat is the soulmate, the conception of the world according to Rebbe Oshua. Two different worldviews creation in thought, creation in the ideal reality versus creation in the real reality. The world that, ideal reality that survives in strength, you earn it, you get it, the real reality which needs kindness. And that's this month so right now according to kabbalah god is conceiving the world and not only conceiving the world yeah just these ones so this is a soul also a soulmate holiday soulmate of the world so now we have to understand the the uniqueness of trees what's the connection why are we talking about trees so let's get into trees a little bit. Yeah. So the Torah tells us that uh first of all that Adam eats hasada. The Torah says a man is like a tree of the field. There's a connection between people and trees. People and trees are actually opposites. Think about this. Trees are kind of similar to people, if you look at them. They've got roots, they have trunks, they have branches and fruit, right? There's one major difference between people and trees. We're actually upside down. Trees have their roots in the ground and their, their genetic reproductive organs are on top, right? People, so your hair has roots, your hair is is similar for some reason we call it we have call it roots right your hair is on top and hair is considered to be a connector to spirituality actually it's a very spiritual thing and our reproduction and our limbs are on bottom so why is that so the answer is very simple we're both rooted in different places A tree has its roots in the ground. A person has its roots in the heavens. We're literally coming from two different perspectives. In in fact, uh, there are Talmudic sources that say that in in Gan Eden, in, in the spiritual realm, people walk upside down. Because literally we're planted there. So when we're there, we're the other way around. Very interesting. So, people and trees are are very interconnected. The Garden of Eden was surrounded by trees. At the center of the Garden of Eden was the Etz Hadas, the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil, and the Etz Chayim, the Tree of Life. And the Tree of Life, according to Kabbalah, represents the, the spheros the kabbalistic system the dna of reality that god created in order to bring us from oneness to a world of multiplicity the, the, the intermediary between god's absolute existence to a world of stuff and that's through something called the spheros the 10 spheros which are 10 spiritual ele- emanations which god created in order to bring himself in to a physical reality and that's called the Eitz Chachayim, the tree of life. So I'm going to tell you one other very cool thing about trees. When the, Torah, when the world is created, according to the Torah, it says Eitz Pri osay Pri, God created a fruit tree that makes fruit. And the Talmud points out that the trees originally were supposed to taste like fruit. The tree itself, the bark, was supposed to taste like fruit. That sounds like a very weird thing. And it says that the trees didn't do it, didn't succeed properly. There are a number of things that didn't happen properly in the creation of the world, that God said something and things happened differently, which corresponds to the idea that we said that God wanted to create the world with strength and in the end created the world with kindness, that there was a certain reality that God originally wanted to do but wasn't able to do, which means there's there's a parallel dimension of the reality that could have been but wasn't because it wasn't meant to be for this world. So this is all very deep stuff. But at the end of the day, the Talmud says, in the future, in Olam Haba, in the world to come, in Messia- the Messianic times, the fruit will taste like the tree. I mean, the tree will taste like the fruit. All trees will taste like the fruit. And not only that, says the Talmud, in the Messianic time, all fr- trees will give fruit. All barren trees are going to give fruit in the future. Talmud says, when the temple was destroyed, fruit lost its taste. Yes. No. There's two different re- things. There's something called the Days of Messiah, Messianic era, Yemosa Mashiach, Messieric era. And then there's something called Olam Haba, which is after the world is over. So sometimes they're, they're used interchangeably, but they're two different time periods. And I'm not sure which is which exactly. But uh, okay. the world to come. Yeah, I think that's what it means. Yes, it does mean that. Or or a spiritual existence that exists outside of this world. But um, so what's the idea of fruit? And, and one other point about fruit is the Talmud says that when the Jewish people are kicked out of the land of Israel, the land will no longer bear fruit. But when they come back, the land will be fruitful again. And we've seen that in our own time, that the land of Israel was a wasteland for 2,000 years. Mark Twain visited Israel in the late 1800s, and he writes, it is the most horrible, barren wasteland I've ever seen. There's nothing, not a soul, nothing grows here. And the Jewish people came back to Israel and it is the most lush place in in the world. They literally made the desert blossom. And it's completely in line with prophecies of the Torah, which is unbelievable. And that's one of seven uh, prophecies that came true in our own time that related to the Jews coming back to the land of Israel. Very incredible stuff. Okay, so what what is the significance of the fruit and the tree? I want to explain this. This is, this is unbelievable stuff. Okay. What does fruit represent? What do you think fruit represents? Oh, so it has something to do with eternity. The eternality of this thing. The transmission to the future. What else does it represent? Children. Great. Anything else? Excellent. So fruit represents the sweetness of arriving at the destination. This is a world of work. We're getting to a destination. That's the next world. That's Olam Haba. We believe that everything you do in this world matters because you're creating your next world. The world for the future, the, the world to come, is called Olam Haba. The world that comes what does that mean it's the world that you create through your actions and your spirituality in this world whatever degree you learn to refine yourself and relate to spirituality that is what you're going to enjoy in the next world where you're only in a world of spirituality you can't enjoy pizza did anyone see the disney movie sold soul good movie right i showed my kids so remember when they're in the they're in uh, the 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 spiritual soul world and they're trying to eat pizza and it just like pops out because they don't have bodies and they, they can't taste. It's really funny. <laughs> I, I recommend it. It's it's close. It's Jewish. It's very Jewish. There's nothing in the movie that's contradictory. We would just say much stronger than they do. That it's not about enjoying every moment and enjoying the small things in life. It's about doing the the mitzvahs. It's about every act of spirituality that we do in this world is what earns our next world. It's not like a reward that we're going to get. It's that your next world is the spiritual connection that you developed in this world. That is your next world. Well, so so, so learn, but you do know about enough. We all, we all do so many mitzvahs throughout our days, just become conscious of doing them for the mitzvah. That's true. That's true. But every time you give tzedakah, every time you give charity, every time you learn to make a blessing on food, every time you light Shabbos candles or Hanukkah candles or honor your parents, uh, don't eat pork. There's so many ways that we can do mitzvahs. But acts of kindness that we do to our friends and our family, we, are, we have opportunities to do mitzvahs every single moment of the day. And, and for certainly we should learn what they are. But most of them, we know what they are. Don't speak badly about other people. Right? Uh, help others that are in need. Yes, of course. Guarding your body. Help, being healthy. Building yourself spiritually. Those are all mitzvahs. Uh, modesty is a huge mitzvah. And um, even, even supporting yourself is a mitzvah, you know, especially if you have a family, helping to support your family, right? uh, Being honest in business, not lying, not cheating. (laughs) But the key is, is you have to do it in order to build a relationship with God. It's about the love and the connection that you feel. There's a Hasidic teaching that says that anyone who doesn't enjoy Shabbos isn't going to enjoy the next world. Because Shabbos is a taste of the next world, and I want to explain to you how that is. Let's. So. Right. Yeah. So 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 have to maybe maybe it's good to go out. Yeah. So. But part of Shabbos is not just the social aspect. It's also the spiritual aspect of just being with yourself. Learning, but also being with yourself a little bit. So there is something you can do, even if you're not with other people. You can learn to enjoy Shabbos because you have to learn to enjoy yourself. That's something that Shabbos teaches you is you have to learn to enjoy yourself, your own company, turning off your phone, being present with yourself and your family. So so Shabbos is a taste of the next world. And I want to explain to you why that is. Shabbos is not a day off. Shabbos is a day on to celebrate the work that you did the six days before. It's a celebration of the building you prepared, the building that you built inside yourself. It's a celebration of who you are. The Talmud says, whoever doesn't cook before Shabbos doesn't eat on Shabbos. And that's a metaphor for the next world. If you didn't prepare in this world, you're not gonna eat in the next world. This world is the place where we grow and refine ourselves in order to appreciate spirituality. So a person who doesn't enjoy Shabbos is missing out because the next world is a day that's only Shabbos. It's a day of just enjoying the splendor of connecting to oneness, connecting to God. We have to teach ourselves and train ourselves to do that in this world, to appreciate spirituality, because the next world is only spirituality. So fruit represents the destination, the next world, the world of enjoyment. That's what the next world is. It's not a world of physical enjoyment. It's a world of spiritual enjoyment. That's what fruit represents. It's very interesting that reproduction is the sweetest part of the tree. The seeds of eternity is the sweetness. And also in our own lives, in human beings, the intimacy, the intimate process, the reproductive process is, the, is, a, is a pleasurable experience. Because when you're touching eternity, you're touching, you're bringing souls into this world. There's a sweetness there because there's an experience, the Talmud says, in the intimate connection, which is an experience of having arrived. An experience of just being present. Just enjoying the moment. It's a Shabbos experience. So fruit represents the destination. The sweetness at the end of the journey. The tree represents the journey. The journey to get there. The tree represents this world. In this world, we don't taste the fruit. We have to try. We have to try to taste the fruit of eternity. We have to try to taste the eternal world in this world. We have to bring it down into our world. The more connected spirituality, is, the more we taste it in this world. That's what Shabbos is all about, is tasting eternity in this world. But in this world, it's a tree. It's hard. It's bitter. This world is a world of work. And you know what? Let me tell you the mistake that we make. We think that this is the world of pain and suffering. In the next world, we're going to taste the sweetness of the reward for having gone through all this suffering. That's not correct. Listen to what the Talmud said. In the next world, the tree will taste like the fruit. Do you know what we're going to realize when we get to the next world? The tree, the bitterness, the hardness of this world was actually sweet all along we just didn't taste it we didn't realize that the hardships we went through were the sweetest moments of our life because they built us they built our future they built our eternal world they made us who we are they made us great so fruit represents the goal and the tree is the journey and our job is to see that through the journey through the journey is the destination we get there through the journey of our life through the hardships of our life through the suffering we all suffering in different ways everyone you can't live in this world without suffering because this is a world of suffering because this is a world of disconnection the more disconnected we are from each other from ourselves from god from the big picture the more we suffer the more connected we are the more unified we are the more spiritual we are the more we connect to the next world in this world. Now listen to what the Talmud says. Why are we celebrating trees right now in the dead of winter when the trees are dead? The trees all lost their leaves. It's dark and cold out there. I don't know where you guys are, but it's really cold here in Baltimore today. Says the Talmud, on this day, underneath the surface, underneath the ground, underneath the hard crust of the tree, the sap, is beginning to rise in the dead of winter and if you've ever tapped a maple tree there's a whole world going on inside that winter cold tree the sap is beginning to rise up so you think it's the darkness and the coldness of your life listen clearly in the darkest coldest moments the sap is beginning to rise those are the moments of growth that's when the spring is beginning to be prepared. Winter is a time when rebirth is beginning under the surface. It just hasn't been revealed yet. And according to Kabbalah, good things in your life come from a certain world in the spirit in spirituality that manifest themselves as good. What about bad things? Where do they come from? So nothing bad comes from God. God only creates good. So where do bad things come from? So according to Kabbalah, they come from an even higher, holier world. Even better stuff, it's just that it can't come into this world in the shape of good because it's so holy. It can only come into the world in the shape of bad, and it's even better than the good stuff because it's the bad stuff that helps us to grow. And you know in your own life that through the challenges, those are the times that made you great. Those are the times that brought out the latent talents and strengths that you had within. Just now, being in the hospital was very challenging for my family. For me, it wasn't so bad. For my family, it was really bad. But we've grown from it. And it's shown us the areas that we have to work to become better. So night, according to Judaism, the day begins in the night. You know that, right? We celebrate the night first because the darkness comes before the light. you got to go through a cold night in order to get to a bright day. you got to go through that work. That's the tree. That's the work of this world. And I want to conclude with the idea of Shabbos Shira, the Shabbos of Song. Okay, you ready for this? The Jewish people went through 210 years of slavery in Egypt. The death of the, all of their boys, a whole generation of boys, were thrown into the Nile River. They went through so much suffering. They finally are free. They're marching out of Egypt suddenly they find themselves face to face with an ocean and the egyptian army is closing in behind them what do you do what's it all for we're gonna die now what are we gonna do torah says walk through the sea go in to the hard places go to the places where you don't see any way out just walk forward just keep going and the sea will split miraculously you're gonna get through and suddenly as the sea split and they saw the Jewish people went through and then the sea came crashing down on the Egyptian army, they saw suddenly, clearly, with absolute clarity, that everything is for the good. Everything happens for the good. And it, and the sources say that at that moment, they saw the good in the slavery. They realized that even the slavery was for their good because on the shores of the of the red sea was washed all the riches of the egyptians suddenly they had all this wealth they saw their enemies drown and they were free really free this time and that's when they sang because song comes from the deepest place within us song comes from a place of willing to praise and sing out for the good the real good true song comes after you've been through darkness after you've been through slavery and you've come out the other end then you sing what does song do what's the difference between song and noise what do you guys say what's the difference between music and noise okay you have it's me, what makes music organized is if you have a note and another note and another note and they're totally disconnected that's called noise Okay, banging here, there, and there, that's noise. What connects this note to that note to that note to turn into music is harmony, rhythm, and melody. That the high points and the low points are somehow connected. They're intertwined. When we go through hard times in our life, we feel all alone. We feel disconnected, broken. That's not music, that's noise. But when we realize that that low part brought us to a high part that followed it, suddenly we see the interconnection between all the different events in our life, that becomes music. Music is seeing the pattern, the rhythm, the harmony, the melody, connection between the different points in your life. That there's a purpose for everything. That's the message of tuba is when it looks dark, the sap is already beginning to rise under the surface. There's a purpose to everything. And in fact, the Talmud says that the song that the Jewish people sang at the sea is a reference to the Messianic era, something called amesim, that every person will come back to life. Souls will be returned to bodies. That the soul and body together will enjoy and celebrate their perfection. Because they did it together. We can't accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish just with a soul the body and soul together have to get the reward and that's the final uh period of reward on this world which takes place with both body and soul and in this in this song it says then we will sing and the talmud says it's a reference to the future then We're going to sing because at the very end of creation, after Mashiach comes, we're going to look back. We're going to see a Holocaust. We're going to see a coronavirus. We're going to see a a destruction of the temple. And we're going to see all of that was part of a song, a song of the universe, a song of creation. And all of it had a purpose. So we're going to conclude with a few blessings. And I'll just, I'll conclude with the following point that when we say a blessing, okay, what do we say after a blessing? When someone makes a blessing, how do you respond? You say amen. Amen means, it comes from the word amuna, which means faith. I believe. I believe that there's a purpose. I believe there's a greater purpose to what's going on in my life. And I'm going to say thank you for this fruit because I believe it's. I'm here for a reason. And I, my soul is connected to the sparks of spirituality that are inside this food. The numerical value of amen is 91. 91 which is the same numerical value of the word yud heh God's name, with the other word Adonai, which is the way we pronounce God's name. You put those two together, you get 91. yud Vavhe represents God in his absolute totality, God that's beyond, and the process of God coming into this world. And Adonai represents the lowest level of that spiritual system that we discussed, the spiros, which is God's revelation on Earth, the lowest level, the one that we can actually connect to. So we say Yud vav K, we have in mind God Himself, and yet the word we say is the one that's the lowest level that we have access to, which is God's revelation, this feminine aspect of God, the Shechina, which is revealed to us in the world. So we're con- and our job when we do mitzvahs is kabbalistic uh, intention is to connect Yud Hey with Vav Hey, God that's above with God that's below. Liachit. God with shinte, the feminine and the masculine aspects of God together. You put those together. You get the Gematria 91, which is the same numerical value of the word Elon tree tree represents the totality of the spiritual world and the physical world coming together. And just as a nice, uh, interesting side point, the, the word, uh, Never mind, we're going to skip that right now. But uh, the word sarap, which means syrup, it's a Hebrew word. Hebrew word syrup, the sarap, the sap, which goes up the tree, is also made up of t- the numerical value of two words, which is uh, the samich mem, which represents the angel of uh, evil, who is the masculine form, and Lilith, who is the feminine form of evil, and them two together equals sarap, syrup. And on Tubishvat, it says the syrup, the syrup goes up in the Elon, meaning that the negative forces have their are uplifted by the the unity of negativity, the masculine and feminine unity of negativity go up together with the masculine and feminine form of 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 godliness. So anyway, that's just a side point. Okay, so according to Kabbalah, we're going to end with uh, a couple of blessings. Okay, so I'd like you guys to join me. Whoever has anything in front of you, we're going to make a blessing. We're going to say Amen. And uh, according to Kabbalah, there are four worlds, four spiritual worlds. The first is called the world of itsilis. It's the one that's closest to God. It's a world of complete spirituality. That's the world of the spheros that we talked about. That's a world of complete unity. And uh, I believe that this is not mentioned in the Kabbalistic book that I looked at, but I believe that wine represents that world because wine is a spiritual substance. The numerical value of wine equals the numerical value of secrets sod yayin and sod the talmud says "Nichnas yayin yotz sod when wine goes in secrets come out so i believe that represents the most spiritual world then we have the world of bria the world of creation which is the world of angels and that is represented by fruit that is completely edible like an apple which the seeds are really edible of an apple and um uh, a pear um uh figs Blueberries aren't tr- aren't tree fruit, but yes, could be they are tree fruit, actually. They, I think they're perennial. Um, what else is completely eaten? Um, lemons. He says, actually, you could eat the peel of lemons, oranges. Um, I can't remember what else. Okay, that's the world of Bria. It's a world that's totally spiritual. Okay. Next, we have fruits like apricots and uh, prunes and uh, dates which have a a hard pit on the inside, that corresponds to the world of of Yitzira. It's a more tangible world with a little bit of hardness, but it's inside, it's hidden inside the fruit. And then finally, we have nuts that are surrounded by a hard shell. That represents this world, the world of Asiya, the world of action, where our lives are surrounded and encased in a shell a shell of impurity, a shell of things that look bad. It's not really bad. There's fruit inside that shell. Inside the darkness, inside the challenges, there's fruit. You just have to break through the pit. Okay, so we're going to make a blessing on wine. I'll make a blessing on a on a, on a a date. If you have an olive, olive takes precedence. Grapes also take precedence. So um, I'll make a blessing on the wine. Baruch atah adina, L'chaim, to everyone. I'm gonna make a blessing on, on a date. I mean, yeah, this is a date. Tamar, and representing the world that is totally edible, gonna have a little bit of apple. As you eat the fruit think about the sweetness think about the journey and the fact that we're all on a journey in this world we're on a journey to the next world the more we can taste the sweetness of the journey recognize that although there are hardships in our life those hardships build us they build our eternal world and the eternal world is a world of complete sweetness a world where everything makes sense a world where we can look back at our life and we can sing the song of our of our journey we each have our own song to sing the more we connect our soul the more our lives become a, a life of song and joy thank you guys so much for joining me tonight i want to wish you all a beautiful shabbos and a beautiful tuba shvat. and we look forward to 40 days from now creation of a new world rabbi yoshua says in nisan the world was created and in nisan the world will be redeemed we should merit the Gaula the final redemption, that the entire world should come together, all fruit trees should bear fruit, the fruit should taste the tree should taste like the fruit, and we should see the coming together of the entire world in peace and harmony. Let us say Amen.